This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jill Raff on the line. Jill, how are you? Hey, I'm great, Michael. Thank you for having me. Great to connect with you again. We met back in February of 2019, which does not seem that long ago, but when I look at my calendar, um, it was a while ago at the New Media Summit down in Tampa. So how's your 2019 working out for you? It is great. It's really, everything's going good. I don't schedule that's good. Yeah, it's been a weird and wild year for me, and uh, that's great that everything is going well for you. So you focus on customer experience, and I know in the pre-show I had made a comment about customer service, and you said, no, actually it's customer experience. So share with us what the difference is between those two things, and, and obviously we'll dive right into uh, what a great customer experience a mechanism for organizations look like. So uh, share your story a little bit. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, starting out, you know, with your question and, and point of customer service versus customer experience, right? So for me, you know, originally everyone always said customer service and I get the service. You do have to serve your customers first and foremost. Most, It's really important to come from a heart of service. In fact, that's what I grew up with, um, as I think, I don't know, you may remember, I, I come from the McDonald's family, you know, when it was the gold standard of the restaurant industry, and McDonald's number 150 uh, was the store that my parents opened, and it was customer service, and Ray Kroc talked about Q, S, C, and V, and the S was, you know, quality service, cleanliness, and value. But for me now, we live in a different age and there's technology, there's demands, there's customer knowledge um, that didn't exist before because of the internet. And so to me, service now is really, it's the given. It's the basic need or reason that a customer's coming to you to buy a service or a product. There's no emotional connection. There's no real human engagement. They're just serving you and it's just really providing you with those basics. Whereas an experience, definitely has that emotional element. It has a connection that's created by a human-human interaction. And that, and actually people buy an emotion and they justify logically. It's something used a lot and certainly um, experienced in my real estate business. People buy emotionally. They respond to what they feel, just like a customer if they walk into your office or if they walk into your store, they feel the energy around them even from the lighting to the way you have the store laid out to the customers who acknowledge you when you walk in or don't, right? So that's really the big difference. And it's that experience that really creates the loyalty, the referrals, reviews, and ratings, things that will set you apart, that will make one customer want to come back and patronize you versus giving their money to someone else. Well, you see it all the time too in... And, you know, I live really close to a, a pretty big shopping mall. And when I go in to the mall, I notice, you know, you know, there are stores that are busy and there are stores that are not. And the ones that are busy, uh, you're seeing people engaging with, you know, the workers there and the experience of 
how they have the store laid out and you know it's not a case where you know, they're having a, a breakout sale or a black friday sale or something like that you know in some of these places you know, they're really not having any type of uh, out of an ordinary sale going on it's just they just naturally attract people to come in uh, to you know, purchase things or test things out or whatever the case may be. And then vice versa, the stores that are you know, not doing anything, you're basically, you know, looking at the, the clerks and they're counting, you know, the tiles on the floor because no one's <laughs> coming into the store. And, you know, part of me wants to go in and just say, you know, Hi, you know, how are you? You know, human interaction, you know, it's, how are things, you know, with, with really no interest in, in buying anything from the store unless I you know, actually need, need to buy something from there. But at the end of the day, it's, it's those experiences and we, we see it all the time too with, you know, we'll pick on Apple versus Microsoft. You know, there are several malls that have both of those stores mm. and you look in the Apple store and majority of the time it's a zoo in there and yeah. there's people moving and they're looking at, you know, all kinds of different things where the Microsoft store, you go in and you can pretty much stroll in and get whatever you need and, and go home. And while yes, they may not have all the same products, there's, you know, some similarities, but the experience is, is completely different as far as going in and navigating uh, what they do. Uh, you know, picking on McDonald's for a second, and when I say picking on, I actually I want to say consistency. One of the things um, that I've noticed, uh, both in the U.S. and Canada, is going in and the experience of going in uh, to the stores it has, in my opinion, anyway, has returned to a consistency. Um, where for a long time it was kind of inconsistent, and now it seems to be fairly consistent as far as the layout, the you know the, how how the restaurants are designed, how to interact with staff. You know, with there's you know in a lot of the Canadian stores there's there's kiosks where you can you just order your food that way and not um, you know talk with a clerk. I tend to like talking with people, and uh, so I you know I bypass those oftentimes and go up to the uh, to the register and, and place an order. Um, but, you know, other people, you know, feel that, you know, that having the kiosks are, uh, are important, but it's a consistency thing. So I could go into any McDonald's and I know what to expect where if you go into other chain restaurants, um, it may not be consistent because of a variety of different factors. So it, it, it's crucial that, you know, for organizations, uh, part of the customer experience, and I'd love to hear your your take on this, is is the branding of, of the organization. Are they consistent with their brand? That's not confusing to their customer base. Yes, absolutely, um, Michael. You touched on so many great elements. Uh, one, okay, starting with McDonald's. McDonald's, I think, really they still are number one in in terms of their brand value, and they continue to be like so far apart even from the second um, company that came in under that um, rate, under the survey. And what's interesting is that for me, I'm not surprised about the consistency piece because in terms of what McDonald's is and how and why it is what it is, is due to that consistency. And that's why I really utilize that knowledge and that experience that I've learned from growing up in the business 
that consistency is key. In fact, I say consistency equals cash because without that consistency, you're all over the place. And the only way to scale is to have that repeat experience. So a customer knows what they're getting. I remember my dad always saying how, you know, as McDonald's was expanding, it was so cool that you could go into McDonald's in Italy or in China or in Columbus, Georgia, where I grew up with, no matter where I grew up, uh, no matter where you go, you want a Big Mac, you know what you're gonna get, you know what to expect, flavor profile, the sandwich, the, the, the details, everything about it. So McDonald's has really, I think, led the way in consistency. And I think that's really important in terms of the product. Now, when you talk about the brand, I think that's also really critical because obviously one's experience with the brand, they have to know that it's going to be consistent. But outside of the consistency, way before that, how do you even know what your brand promise is? And are you teaching that to your management? And is the management able to convey that? And you have to start out. So I have this process and the first one is your core values and your mission statement and everything according to that, everything needs to reflect back to that and make sure that it's in alignment. And so it goes from your hiring practices. Are you hiring people based on what you want your brand to be, what you wanna to say to the world? And so as you go on, you, it's really important. The brand is everything. And if you don't show that brand to be consistent and that it's super clear who you are to the customer, the customer will actually define your brand for you. So I, I think you are so spot on with everything that you just said. My first job was for a family grocery store that had been around at that particular point around 60 years. So it was second generation was running the organization with the third generation about to start running. And when I was hired, and this was in the mid 80s, in order to get hired at this particular grocery store, you had to know somebody personally, you know, one of the family members of the organization, and they went through, you know, a behavioral assessment type of situation and interviews and because they wanted to make sure that their employees, and I was 16 years old, was in alignment with, you know, the mission, vision, and values of that grocery store. Now, I, you know, my family had shopped at that grocery store my entire life. You know, funny story, my mom, her water broke in that grocery store when I was born. So I was destined to work there. Um, and of course, after that too, they ripped the carpet out of the grocery store and they didn't have carpet in there anymore. So if anybody that's old enough to, and is listening to this and they remember when, when they had carpet, the reason why they don't was uh, because of me. So, um, so, which, which was it. good. Yeah. So it's, it is funny. You know, my mom would always point out, it's like, okay, this is where, where my water broke. And I'm like, well, I don't work in that department, but I'll, I'll, I'll pay homage to it when I walk by it, when I'm in the store, yeah. but they had just an absolutely amazing foundation of, of customer service. And in one of the things that in the customer experience, quite frankly, you know, thinking about it now um, was such that we had, you know, every, every race, every economic situation customer come into that store. So we had people that were extremely affluent 
making you know millions of dollars to the poorest of poor and they interacted with each other and i treated everyone um you know with the best you know experience that i could whether it was taking their groceries out to this their car or you know helping them navigate where something was in the store and you know all these things and it because you know i i knew from a very early age that you know these people are making it possible for me to have a job and i recognized that at a very early age and you know, I think about the friendships and, and the relationships of, of people that, you know, I met working there. You know, it's, it's one of the few Facebook groups that I belong to that, you know, I, I you know, purposely will look and see every post because it was a family. It really was. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think about, you know, the family a lot and, and the lessons that I learned as a 16-year-old and how to create um, – a wow experience for people and what we're doing. So people are buying groceries and you're bagging them and they, they pay for it and they leave. Okay. You know, everybody does that, but how can we make it better? And, and they weren't cheap either uh, when it came to, you know, the price of their groceries, you know, there was another larger chain around the corner, but most people stopped there because of the experience that they had when they shopped there. And it was an absolutely wonderful place to work. And as I always tell, you know, people that are entering the workforce, you know, and they ask me, you know, what kind of, you know, where should I stop or where should I start working? Or, you know, parents will ask, where, you know, where should my kids start working? I said, if you can work at a McDonald's or if you can work at a grocery store, do it. Um, because you will learn systems. You will learn how to be the best you can be for your customers. You'll learn consistency. You'll learn patterns. You'll learn a lot of different things that oftentimes you wouldn't get in other retail type establishments because there's so many variances in all of those. But uh, as, you know, as we've alluded to on a couple of occasions, the consistency of things not only benefits the customer, but goes back to, you know, the employees. And, you know, I want to segue to that on why treating your employees is so well is so crucial um, for a customer experience. So, you know, share with us your, your insights on, on that. Yeah, sure. Um, absolutely. I feel like, you know, yes, I'm a customer experience strategist and we always focus on the customer because at the end of the day, the owner is often thinking of that end customer. They're the ones who bring you the money. Uh, and, but I think for, for a business owner, their first line customer is their employees. And so they need to create an environment where they're bringing in the right people. When I say right, it means people who are like-minded, who have the same character and values that you have for your business. And from the onboarding process, uh, ongoing. So I, I think what's very common, unfortunately, especially today, you know, where um, unemployment is so low, people sometimes are just looking for a heartbeat, right? You know, it's just, they need to fill the space. So they skip those areas on finding the right people and especially even on training, which is crazy. They think that you would skip on training, but they just sometimes need to get people out there. And so I think the, the general 
a format for and roadmap, so to speak, for someone hiring is, you know, they advertise or recruit and they bring people in, they interview them, they, okay, I think you'll be good. And then they give them a, you know, an introduction to the staff and manual, the, the functional training of what they have to do. Short training period and then the mill probably have them shadow or, you know, support other current employees and, and see what they're doing. And then boom, you're on your own. And there's no ongoing training. Their training as it was, was very short. And they're probably only being trained on those functional processes, the systems that they need them to do. Not on how do we treat our, um, our customers, our guests? How do we exchange, um, have, what language do we use when we have this exchange and we should engage with them? How do, how do we do it so that it represents our brand? and not rely on the fact that you have to just hope that they were raised in such a way that they're gonna be um, interacting, engaging, and using the language you want as, um, as your employee because they're your front line. So instead, what I think is really important is a, is a longer front end, and it's very important to spend the time hiring according to the company values, and your onboarding should be you know fun and I, videos and a training, you know, some sort of a team welcome, educate and train them. You go in even daily huddles, like keeping your values front of mind all the time. Uh, even then, you, you, of course, you're going to shadow and support, but are you checking in for accountability? I'm going through a lot really fast and you could go deep into any of these, but I think having a 30, 60 day evaluation is really helpful. And and then to really let your customer, your employees know that, yes, we care about you, so we're going to educate you. It's what I call the E-cubed uh, equation for success, and that's to educate your, your employees and then empower them and then entrust them. So once you've done those first steps, then you're going to empower them and say, let's see what you can do. We want to hear your ideas. We're going to implement some of these. We're going to create a true team. And you're a part of our success. And so employees are more likely to be vested in your interest when they see that you're vested in them. And so by listening to them, asking them for ideas, the ask, 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 whether it's your employees or your customers, so important to know what it is that they want and their perceptions of things. Um, and you know, a side note, which we'll can come back to later is, is that huge chasm, that, that big gap between an owner's expectation and understanding their perception of what they think is happening. So Bain and Company did a study and they found that 80% of executives, business owners, think they're delivering an outstanding customer experience, while only 8%, that's right, 8% of customers agreed with that. That blows my mind. And so I think it's really important for an owner to check their ego at the door and to really be asking and be involved, roll up their sleeves, get in there with them. Don't be an absentee owner, but get in and really see what are your employees thinking? Everyone from your top management all the way down to your janitor, whoever, your vendors, whoever's touching your business, what are they really experiencing? And your customers, of course. And from there, you can really see what's going on and then you can bridge that gap. I kind of, I see the owners is kind of like on this private island and the, the general customer base is the mainland. And I see myself as kind of that bridge 
to help them get a real true picture and help them with the type of training so that they can go in and really create a, a real team that's going to be productive, that's going to bring in referrals and repeat business. Yeah, I interviewed uh, Maestro Roger Nirenberg a while back, and you know he was a conductor for the New York Philharmonic, and he's a leadership consultant now. And one of the exercises he does is he brings an orchestra with him when he works with uh, organizations, and he has all the employees sit with the orchestra, and you know they start you know, practicing and first, you know, they sound like a, a third grade band at first and then, then they start getting better and they start sounding really good. And then um, he's up on a podium and then he starts bringing the employees up on the podium with him. And then he has the orchestra play again and everyone is amazed on how completely different it sounds. And they're in the same room. He's like, why does this sound so different? This is because from, a leadership position, they see things differently than what is seen down below. So it goes, you know, both ways. See, a lot of people think, well, okay, leaders see things that the employees can't. That's why the organizations are going in the directions they're going. However, the leader needs to go down in the orchestra pit and take a look around and see what reality is happening with your customers mm -hmm. and your employees. Like what you just said, because, we, like the Bain you know, survey, you have a huge difference of uh, opinions on what's going on. Those, that's two different companies. You know, the executive says, this is what's going on. Everything's great. And you talk to the customers and like, mm, everything's not great. And, you know, we, we have to do all of these things in order to get a return or uh, get customer service on the line or your, your products have been, uh, suffering, uh, even funny story real quick, um, in, in Canada, um, craft dinner, uh, or, or Katie, depending on how you call it, um, has been something that for some reason Canadians absolutely love. There's no nutritional value in it. Sorry, craft. You're not a, you're not a sponsor. So I, you know, I, if you want to sponsor, if, you, if, if craft wants to sponsor this, I'll consider removing this segment, but, um, but it is yeah, what it is. It know? is. And, and, but, Canadians have, are starting to complain that the formula that um, Kraft has changed to, um, that you know, the Kraft dinner does not taste the same. So Canadians are up in arms, you know, of all the, all, all the world crises and things that are going on in the planet. Um, Canadians are up in arms over the, the, the flavor of KD. And I'm like, well, okay, well, if, if that's our only problems, life is good. But uh, unfortunately there's it, literally, literally, but um, again, it's one of those things where, you know, the CEO of Kraft, is yeah, yeah we're great you know we, we're gonna change this formula and I'm, I'm sure it was you know because of suppliers or uh cost cutting it could be a combination of things and and obviously you know, they they didn't do as robust of a a sampling of of changing this formula because I, I i looked at the box i was at the grocery store the other day to see if it said anything like new formula or something like that and i'm thinking this is not as big of a you know situation as you know, going back again to the mid 80s when coca-cola thought it'd be cute mm -hmm. to change their formula and we all know how that turned out um and that that went well um but at the end of the day um it it, it boils down to you know an onboarding and, and treating employees first 
when you hire them, make sure you hire them well and give them everything that they need to succeed and frequently check in. Don't just do the annual performance review. Um, you know, talk with your people. They're part of your team. Find out what's going on because, again, they're going to see things from a vantage point that management oftentimes can't see or don't experience because they're not you know, doing the same work that, you know, the front line and the people that are engaging with your, your customers or clients you know, are seeing. So it's, uh, you, you have happy employees, you have happy customers. And when you have happy customers, your company's going to do well. Right. And that's why I always say, you know, treat your employees how you want them to treat your end customer. And as I said before, that your employees are your customers. They're your first line customers. So when you take care of them by the natural law of reciprocity, the universal law of reciprocity, you take care of them, they're going to take care of you and your business. And they're going to do it with, with joy and with pleasure. And they're going to go that extra mile. You know, you, you, somebody's sick for a shift, you need someone to fill in or stay a few hours if you just treat them very rotely and there's no engagement and you don't show them appreciation, you don't acknowledge them or respect them, why should they want to help you and do you any favors? But if you in turn help them and you show them you're a part of our success, without you, we couldn't do it. And you show them how important they are, then of course they're going to be there for you because you've shown that you're there for them. And it, it really is, it, it seems so simple, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It seems like it's such a simple thing and it seems so commonsensical. So why are companies not doing it? And why is it that customer experience has truly dropped in the last decade? And with the advent of all this technology, and you mentioned kiosks before, which I have a little bit of an issue with. I mean, I, I get it for speed and all of that, but at least have the person who then you're gonna pick up your order with, at least have them engage with you because technology is becoming so much a part of our life that while it's helping us in some ways, it's also very dangerous because it's keeping us more and more separate and distant. We text all the time now. We rarely speak on the phone anymore. and so by having that that human to human interaction you're actually going to find that people are attracted to that because they we crave it it's a natural we're social beings it's a natural human need and so if you let technology get in the way and say oh well it's faster and people can just order online and they don't even have to ever in, engage with us i think for the short term that's great but i think long term you need to look at the human aspect and know that all the studies and statistics prove that that social interaction actually will, is the longest leading indicator of long life. The, the, so people who live the longest actually have more social interaction, whether it's their, their postman, uh, the person they see when they go to pick up their dry cleaning or at the grocery stores you talked about before, the more interaction we have, it actually shows that we are healthier. So I think we have to be really careful with technology, that we use technology to help us for the menial repetitive tasks, and then that'll give us back the time for us to truly engage and connect with someone human to human, person to person. It's so important, and I, I 
personally go out of my way when I'm interacting with anybody that's serving me. And that's, you know, when you go into a store or a restaurant is, you know, to have a human conversation. How are you? You know, and, and generally ask them and, and look at them and ask them how they're doing, you know, how their day is going. You know, it's sometimes it may just be briefly and it could be a little bit of small talk, but make it, make it personal, make it something that, you know, is an experience or, and, and, you know, like if you go into a store, it's like a long line and, and, and the AI will tell them, it's like, Oh, you're popular today. And they'll laugh. And, and, you know, they'll sometimes they'll say, yes, cause I'm the best cashier here. And it's like, well, see, now I'm going to make a note of that. Do you always work in register 12? No, I move around from that. So I'm just having a, a human to human conversation, mm-hmm. but I'm acknowledging, you know, their kind of, you know, self sarcasm or, you know, making light of it and acknowledging and having a conversation with them. Uh, because in, I know you've seen this and I see it too. And it, it always bothers me when, when people are interacting with, with clerks or, you know, whether in stores or restaurants or things like that, and they're just kind of barking orders at them or they're not, you know, making eye contact and they're just kind of indifferent. Like these people are working very hard in order to provide you a service, whether it's feeding you or, you know, selling you an article of clothing or a piece of merchandise or whatnot. They're human beings and they've got their own um, life, you know, challenges potentially or issues or who knows what, you know, you don't know, you know, what, you know, those, their stories are, but, you know, treat them with kindness and civility and, and, and be a decent person to them. And believe me, you can make somebody's day just by having a, a literally a minute conversation because it can take the edge off of, you know, of, of what's going on in their life or in their day. So it's, again, that's one of those traits that I had picked up. I want to say from the grocery store, but I, I think I saw it more, more so from and how my parents interact with people and, and when, you know, they were helped and my grandparents and great grandparents. So it's, I would say it's probably just a, a family trait uh, that uh, has, has been passed on and, and, you know, I, I, you know, have passed that on to, to my daughters as well, you know, to be mm-hmm. polite and thankful uh, for these people and, and, just having a conversation with them and yeah that's a wonderful thing to pass on and and you do create your your own legacy and I feel very fortunate that I experienced that from both my parents growing up and I feel like that is my legacy to continue it on and to be kind It, it is so simple it's a small thing and you know you talked about your the conversation with a cashier or whoever it is think about how often we're in a store or we pass by someone. If you're passing by, it's a little different, but if you have an actual situation, maybe you're sitting in a restaurant and people say, oh, hi, how are you? But they, and then they go on immediately to the next thing. They don't actually stop and take a minute to listen to what the person's response is. So what message are we sending by that? We really don't care. So if you take that extra few, and it really is a few seconds, wow, what a huge impact you can have because you're just showing that you genuinely care about someone and, you know, touching on the kindness and those other things. So I I have something that I uh, kind of just a a methodology that I call the the shark method and R is is squared. And that's a way to basically protect your employee and your customer's experience. And the shark is an acronym for, for serve, and to hear, not only hear, but really listen. 
to both your employees and your customers, anyone who, who touches your business for that matter. A is to acknowledge, just simple acknowledgement. Um, and the R squared is for respect and resolution. They're coming to you for some reason, a need that needs, whether it's wanting to get a screw from Home Depot or a meal somewhere, there's a need there. There's something that they're coming to you for. So acknowledge that, respect that, that they've come to you over a competitor and help them get the resolution they need. It doesn't have to be a problem that needs to be resolved. It's a problem in the more global sense of the word that they have a need and they want this resolved. And if they're hungry, they're coming to you. So respect and resolution. And then K is for kindness. And it is that really simple act of just being human. And when you touch someone's heart, they're gonna remember you forever. And if you come from that heart space when you serve, and I did talk about the difference between service and, and experience, but when you're doing that, I think you have to come from a place of truly serving and generally looking at them to say thank you and that we have the privilege of serving you and thank you for choosing us over someone else because there's so much competition out there today in, in every market, in every industry, there's always someone else doing what you do. So give them a reason to come back to you. Give them a reason to follow through and make that purchase with you. Why you over someone else? And I think if you follow even this simple method of my shark method, you really are protecting that employee and the customer's experience. And it's making such an impact in, on just not just the customer's life, but you as an employee, your employer, you know, your colleagues, it has such a ripple effect. And you know, even, you know, as we've been talking, I, you know, I think about, you know, the places that I frequent normally, and I'm, I'm a big advocate for supporting local businesses uh, when I can, uh, because I know that they are, you know, supporting their families and doing all kinds of different things. And nothing against, you know, the chain organizations, because most chain organizations are franchised and those are families that are doing too. So I don't say that I exclude, you know, going to, you know, uh, a franchise uh, based uh, model because I know it's still owned by an individual and they're hiring employees and whatnot. But, you know, I even had an experience you know, this morning where you went into a restaurant that I go to maybe once a week, maybe once every couple of weeks and have, you know, for a few years now, I mean, I, I literally walk in, I sit down, they bring over coffee and they say, okay, you want this, you know, with the breakfast that I had ordered the way that I wanted. I'm like, yep. Every once in a while I'll throw them a curveball and they'll say, no, I want this. And they're like looking at me like I have three heads, but at uh, the end of the day, they know what I order. Now they have thousands of people that go into that restaurant on a monthly basis and I walk in and they know uh, what I want. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I treat them like a human being and have conversations with them. And even today, you know, they were short staffed a little bit and I made a comment. I said, yeah, hopefully you wore your comfy shoes today because you're going to be walking all day. And, you know, they laughed and they said, no relief is coming, but thank you. And it's, mm -hmm. but it's just, it's just observing, you know, and, and making it more of a human experience. And, you know, there's several places that I frequent that I have that experience just because, you know, I, I go in there and, and treat them 
one as I know them because I I don't may not know them personally or their their backstory or whatnot, but you know I treat them as if you know they're you know at least an acquaintance and and there's a mutual acknowledgement like you you mm -hmm. appreciate each other and that's what we're talking about like there's a real human engagement and interaction happening and the awesome thing is and kudos to them and this is what i don't see more businesses doing is that they've noted that you are a repeat customer and they've paid attention to what you like and how you like it and by showing you that that simple thing they have acknowledged you and respected you and they've shown you we appreciate your business we know who you are we're going to take care of you we got you and you return back to that because it feels good it's it's home it's it's an acknowledgement to you and everyone wants to have that so that's a perfect example yeah, and when those organizations that do those things are the ones that have multiple customers, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that they do that with. Uh, I'm sure there's many of people that, you know, they're frequent there all the time and they know exactly what they order, how they want it ordered, and they bring it to them. And, and you know, I've, I've seen it in some cases where I know there are some people that are in there every day and they literally walk in the door, they sit down and the plate is sat down in front of them. Yeah, now, they uh, fire it up. They yeah, they, yeah, they know. It's like, okay, here, here comes, you know, Ray's coming here, right? Here, Ray sits <laughs> down and it's there. It's like, okay, I've seen I that happen. didn't want something different that day. <laughs> exactly. And, and if he did, well. They would so, accommodate so be, it, I'm sure. Of course, of course. Yeah. I said, okay, Ray, we're going to get this. We're going to leave this here. You can, you know, nibble on this until we get something else. And then, yeah, right. so it's, it's always, it's always good to see great customer experience examples like that. So, Jill, I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and the awesome stuff you're doing? Uh, thank you. It's uh, my name. My website is jillraff.com and Raff is spelled R like Robert, A double F like French fry.com. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing about people's customer experience stories. If you have an issue going on in your business, I'm happy to discuss what's going on uniquely and let's talk about how I might be able to help. Um, and you can reach me directly to at Jill at JillRaff.com. Jill at JillRaff.com. And I'd love to offer your listeners a gift. Uh, I have a customer experience checklist for intentional for that intentional customer wow. And uh, you, they can find that at JillRaff.com forward slash CX checklist cx is uh, acronym for customer experience so it's jillraff.com slash cx checklist that's awesome and audience i'll definitely have all that information in the show notes jill great to talk to you as always uh, appreciate all the awesome stuff you're doing and 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 highlighting you know how you know focusing on customer experience with the employees first and that resonates throughout the organization and makes a better experience for everybody. Um, more work needs to be done with you know, many, many places. And I'm glad there's uh, the thought leaders out there like yourself to, you know, really push this endeavor forward. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate Thank your, your part of getting it out there. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. 
I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.